0: Okay, I think this is uh, about, we're about ready. Um, hi, everyone. Um, I was supposed to have a co-host with Altrin or Alex, but he had a last minute emergency and couldn't make it. So uh, I've invited some of you folks that I recognize from previous pieces up to say hi, um, but also uh the reception to this post has been uh incredible i'm, I'm extremely honored and um maybe i should talk a lo- talk a little bit about uh, uh about what's going on um definitely feel free to ask questions or queue up topics or put your hand up um definitely accepting anyone who wants to discuss what it means to be an ai engineer um so the 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 proximate reason for this post uh there are a number of things i think one i had felt an underlying gap in the job market where I had both seen employers wanting to hire engineers if a specialized skill set. And I also seen engineers basically training themselves to have this specialized skill set. And whenever you see a mismatch like that, um I think it's a it's a ripe oppor- ripe opportunity to match them essentially. Um and to have a potential job board that I might want to launch for late in space, but uh that's beside the point. I think the best way to do that effectively is to define a handle for each other for each side to find each other um and I was looking through a bunch of different handles. And I think I listed some of the the candidates in the comments on the on the post, um, but eventually what I settled on was AI Engineer uh, and this is something I resisted for a long time um, that I think a lot of people on Hacker News also had negative reactions to that name, and I totally understand it. Um, it is a very common thing in tech circles for the thing that is not quite accurate to eventually become the definitive name for the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I decided to just try to kind of own it. Um, and I think it also basically reflects this reality that um, there's a lot of supply constraints in AI where um, you're primarily consuming research, GPUs, and I guess models from large model labs, which is, which is great. Um, um, and also like you can't have them. <laughs> um, but I think that's fine, and you can eventually build out your own capabilities. But I think there's a huge white space for software engineers uh, essentially shifting left into AI and then for machine learning engineers shifting right from their existing position into more applied more high value um, ai products and uh, so basically, I decided to draw this out, and it looks like the the diagram that uh, that you might have seen by now on Uh, latent.space. And that is the new role of the AI engineer. And then I looked around and I did some research. um, And you know what, like, I'm not the first to this, right? Like, there's there's people with this job title. Uh, I've met people um, who actually got into the job because of stuff that I've written, which is uh, pretty crazy. And I think it's going to continue developing. Um, I think it also reflects another trend, which uh, I've been calling out on the blog post or the, the podcast for a while, um, which is that prompt engineer, you know, kind of emerged last year as like a job that uh, if you want to manipulate prompts for stable diffusion or GPT- GPT-3, uh, that was good. Um, but then like, if you want to get really powerful, you have to write code. Um, so you can't just get by as a non-technical prompt engineer. I think that there's a role for those. Um, and I, <laughs> I actually applied for a job as, as a prompt engineer. But I think if you want to get really, really good at wielding the AI, um, you have to write code. and You have to use the AI to generate code too. And so there's a special place for code in AI. And I think that deserves a different name than prompt engineer. And I think um, something that was particularly gratifying was um, I think Andre Capratti also recognized that like for software 3.0 to, to be a thing, um, it's not just prompting. Um, so yeah, uh, th- that is that is the, the sort of main thrust of why AI engineer, why it's going to be a job. Um, I've done a fair amount of introspection about this, um, and there's a lot of comments on on Hacker News and Twitter and LinkedIn and what have you. Um, but happy to take questions. Um, and then also, um, I should introduce Ben, um, who might be new to this audience. Ben is a um, a friend that I've known for for quite a while, and he's been the organizer of Reactathon, which is the de facto largest um, React conference, um, I think in the U.S. Yeah, huh. um, and um, and 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 I've just enjoyed every single one of the conferences that, that he's been to, and uh, he basically he was like deciding to sort of wind down Reactathon for AI, and I was like, why don't we collaborate on a conference? So we're also announcing today that we're putting on the AI Engineer Summit, um, the first of its kind, uh, very sort of independently run, very focused on builders rather than, um, you know, research, um, rather than than sort of uh, X-Risk or anything like that. Uh, We're focusing on engineers, uh, the tools that they will use at their work, um, the best practices and and all that. Um, Ben, do you have anything else to add?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, Thank you so much for this post. I think it says a lot about this space, and I think it it really helps to put a name to something, to this thing that we're all kind of experiencing together. Um, and we're all bearing witness to essentially, because man, I I was just telling my wife last night like there's so much so many incredible things happening right now, and this is such an exciting time to be alive. Um, and the fact that we get to be a part of it, and witness it, and help to build it is just incredible. Um, but thank you, Sean, for that uh, that kind intro. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Ben. I I produce conferences. Uh, I, as Sean mentioned, I do Reactathon or did do Reactathon, and I help Netlify to build JamstackConf. And and um, yeah, I'm really excited to basically launched this new conference series. Um, My philosophy with conferences is essentially they should be community first, they should be neutral, and they should be very intentionally curated. So every talk should be independently vetted and independently curated. And then every talk should fit together in a grander theme um, so that you have you know, a very a very intentional and very structured approach to, to learning, whatever it is that you're focused on. So in this conference, of course, we're going to be focused on AI engineering and the program is still coming together, but it's essentially going to boil down to, you know, a lot of the topics that Sean brought up in um, his blog post today. Um, so the conference is going to take place uh, on on uh October 8th, 9th and 10th in San Francisco and then of course if you want to attend remotely from anywhere in the world we'll we'll be live streaming uh free of charge. So that's the basics for AI Engineer Conf and happy to answer any questions on that and dive deeper into that uh, shortly. Yeah, um yeah, so
0: uh, we have. Like, I've been inviting speakers. up. definitely put your hands up if you want uh, to speak. Um, I have two friends of the pod, <laughs> Joseph and Zenova. Um, I assume you guys have read the post, so like, yeah, feel free to comment or respond about anything.
2: I have a question about the uh, the conference broadly and how you're thinking about. You made a remark that I think uh, is astute, which is bringing a bunch of those that are building directly, engineers, developers. At O'Reilly conferences and similar that I've seen in the past that have always been particularly motivating, it's great to hear like war stories and even chatting house rules and actually learning from uh, one another. Are you thinking about having this conference include part of like something to build together, almost hackathon style, or you have a bunch of talented folks in a room that are eager to experiment and tinker with new technologies. Should there be any explicit call out for things that get built during three days or a single day or something like that. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I don't
0: think we have specific plans. I don't know. Ben, what do you think?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's a great point. And, you know, this is something that we're all learning together. There are clearly some people farther ahead than others. And many of those folks will take the stage But one thing that i like to do at my conferences is just have facilitated discussion and we just call these topic tables where you essentially have core contributors and maintainers of a specific library for example managing a topic and these can just be like roundtable discussions they end up turning into like town hall type discussions um but i think at at this conference there will be more people on similar levels and more people that are i mean this is just extremely frontier tech, at least in terms of the the patterns and the technologies and, and the um, the comparison to what we built before. So some of the things that we've been thinking about are, you know, creating a whole breakout room with like whiteboards and, um, you know, ad hoc stages and things like that, where people can get together, work out sessions um, and, you know, work together on specific things um, in addition to the facilitated discussion. So that's a long winded way of saying yes, we're gonna uh incorporate many unconference type sessions into this summit. So there'll be a single track of talks to you know facilitate discussion around, you know, a single a single mode of of uh subjects and content and then lots and lots of uh of of time for, for breakouts and meetings.
0: Yeah. Um I also would say like you know, we're only doing Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I, I feel like there's always going to be room for like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday stuff. Um, we could get together with other folks. Uh, you know, I know I know Joseph here, like a hackathon uh, god. <laughs> uh, we could get together with other folks to you know fill out the rest of the week, make it a little bit less uh, informal. I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's our first time doing this, so we're starting small. Uh, as uh, as much as I wanted to really go big, uh, Ben actually reined me in quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're only doing five hundred people.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe twenty twenty four will go a little bigger, but <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> keep it keep it small, keep it on brand. Exactly. Um cool. Uh it Uh
3: hi there. So uh well first of all, thanks for inviting me up. Um, it's around 1am here, uh, so but I'm glad I got to, uh, I, I saw the notification before I went to bed, so I'm glad I set up. Um, so hi everyone, uh, I'm Joshua Zenova, uh, I'm the creator of Transformers.js, which is a JavaScript library for running uh, Hugging Face Transformers directly in the browser. Um, actually I've, I've only been working on it for like three and a, Three months maybe, um, but there 's been i mean i 'm really grateful for all the support in the community that they're really shown that this is something that people are quite interested in um, it It originally stemmed from a problem that I had where i was I, I had a problem that i was that I was able to solve so uh, i 'm originally mainly a Python developer. And uh, I was able to solve this problem in Python. I was like, great, uh, but I want to distribute this. I want other people to be able to use it. So I was like, okay, great. Surely someone has done something, uh, done what I have done, but uh, just for JavaScript. So I was like, okay, let me just do a quick Google Google search and uh, nothing popped up, unfortunately. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it myself. Uh, and then three months later, here we are. Uh, people are quite interested in, uh, in the JavaScriptification of uh, machine learning and running transformers in the browser, um, and uh, actually around three weeks ago, maybe um, I, I released like a little demo uh, called Whisper Web just to run OpenAI's Whisper in the in the browser, and it somehow uh, I was very very fortunate it somehow blew up on uh, Japanese Twitter I think uh, first and it got over like a million. Twitter views, impressions, whatever you call them, uh, and people playing around with it, finding as well, wow, you can actually run like a. It's a sixty megabyte model actually when quantized, like direct in the browser. It's like wow, that's really interesting, and it's sort of been expanding to running in Node, running server side, and as the article, uh, as the, the essay that you wrote uh, describes, it's sort of this this linking between uh, those who are uh, you know more. Um, well python let's just let's just put it simply. Python developers, those who uh, are are interacting with these machine machine learning libraries um, uh, and then merging that or bridging the gap between those developers and uh, web developers, JavaScript developers um, who don't necessarily see the or haven't had access to tools like this before. Um, and so yeah i'm I'm really grateful that you that you mentioned uh, mentioned transformers js in the in the essay I definitely think it has um, and the space as a whole with sort of being able to bring this technology to a new audience javascript developers web developers and uh, even even server side javascript as well i mean there's quite a quite a quite a market for that because um, people don't necessarily want to re uh, or like for example, running sub processes, like there's a bit of hassle there. So keeping your code base in one language is definitely a positive that's that people have, have uh have experimented with and, you know, seen. Um and yeah, I'm really grateful that you that you mentioned that I'm I'm uh, hoping to help do my part, uh sort of help the AI engineer of the future sort of get involved, play around with things, you know anyway that's I, I won't take up
1: too much time no <laughs> i appreciate that answered.
4: yeah
0: thanks
3: so much for inviting me up yeah
0: well i mean uh, just just one follow-up um your title at hugging face is open source machine learning engineer did you have machine learning
3: experience before that uh yeah i've uh some of my uh university like honors level um my thesis was actually about generating terrain with diffusion models so i had yeah i had uh played around with it and also I'd I've, I've played around with uh, hugging face transformers specifically yeah. for what is it two years maybe now I, yeah around oh. the end of 2020 and 2021 now you, around. yeah now you maintain Transformers. yes it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> I know it's I'm, I'm, I'm it's amazing um, I'd been working with like hugging face tools for for so long and this opportunity came up when I was like also I'll, I'll solve this problem for myself and like ten, I had like ten stars on GitHub published, and people were like, "Wow, that's really cool!" And then it somehow it like blew up on Hacker News, and I was like, "Okay, wow, people are really interested. Let me just keep going, keep going, keep going." And eventually, it sort of led to me being able to now, you know, work at Hugging Face like officially now, which is amazing. I mean, I'm, it's yeah, endless gratitude. Uh, everyone in the that supported what I've done, uh, it's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. Um I also I feel like Hugging Face is at this sort of forefront of sort of trans um basically like harnessing machine learning um engineers and then like making them accessible, uh especially with Hugging Face inference and spaces and, and all the stuff that um that is being put out, like it's just, just accessible to you know the rest of us AI engineers who are who are not ML engineers, right? Like I, and th- and that's kind of like a demographic distinction that I'm drawing.
3: Yeah, I I'm, mean yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to sort of do my part as I've said where it's sort of that linking uh and yeah, totally agree. It's I mean even I I wouldn't say I'd had necessarily had like a ton of experience. I mean, I've played around with these things and uh done quite a few projects on it, but nowhere near the the level of expertise that that like these really low level engineers, uh, sort of, uh, I think you describe them as like the the machine learning engineers, and well, the machine learning researchers like that, that level, Uh, I definitely wasn't as involved, I would have loved, I mean, I, I I was doing research there a little bit, but um, not to the extent that uh, sort of doing groundbreaking revolutionary research in the the field. But yeah, I I definitely see this and it's a very interesting distinction that you made in the in the essay where it's like this, this API, this line in the middle that 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 the API and the people on the right side of it are interacting with and using the API and the people on the left are developing the API sort of, uh, which I think is very interesting, very, very uh, good observation as well. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um,
0: well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have um, more, I think, uh, as people discover that. But uh, definitely, the one to keep you up um, at one AM your time. So, thanks so much, Joshua, for uh, for speaking up. Uh, Max, you commented that you got your first job as an
5: AI engineer. What happened? Yeah, thank you. So, I I, I want to share a bit of my background. Uh, you asked, Senovalai, did you have machine learning experience in the past? I didn't. eh? On my case, I have been doing Android software engineering for the last 10 years, and it was only since December that I have put my hands on some of the tools that we have seen emerging lately, especially OpenAI, things like stable diffusion. So one month ago, one month and a half ago, I decided to quit my job as a principal engineer because I wanted to study to get better on the technologies. And since then, well, I have mainly been working on pet projects, learning more about OpenAI, hugging face, how to host models on the cloud. Just, I'm not an expert and just have been learning things by my own. And as a coincidence, I got in touch with this startup in France that they are building AI products for kids and families, and I presented myself, but I didn't present myself as a expert on ai or machine learning i present myself as a senior software engineer interested on this tech stack and i approach all the conversations there from the software engineering perspective like i'm gonna be reasoning with you about what is the best way of architecturing these products that you are building switch your uh, blog post the other day about the anatomy of the brain, making there the separation of concerns between, okay, there's going to have a separation of concerns, so we have a system maybe specialized on what tools to use, another system specialized on the memory. All of that is software engineering, architecture, separation of concerns. So I think the term AI engineer is very clever, and I think it's on point. You are a software engineer who is able to reason about how to architect products, systems, making use of AI technologies that our colleagues on the computer science world has created for us, then you can call yourself an AI engineer. And then you can get this type of title of job. It's not uh, impossible, I would say. I think it's a on-point term. And it's just, in my case, a uh, cheap to the left. But it can be also achieved to the right, depending on where you come from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, labels are just one
0: useful but very imprecise tool to to describe what we do, right? <laughs> but you're you're definitely a software engineer that is shifting left in my, you know, view of the world. Uh, there, um, I don't know what what. Uh, I mean, what, what is your new role? Like, how do you how do you sort of describe the responsibilities of an AI engineer?
5: Well, I'm, uh, they are on the prototyping stage, right? So we are we are starting working on a discovery stage where we want to be able to see, okay, what tools do we have available in order to be able to create something to the product that the product is in mind, has in mind. I, I presented myself as an AI engineer because to me this was the term that was right before the the article that you have written today. Uh, that is my role. That is my role there. I'm going to be working with that um, Three days per week, right? It's a contract. It's not a full-time job. But I presented myself as AI engineer. Uh, They contacted me under this account that I have on on Twitter, which is not, it's like my AI alter ego account. And it happened like that. Uh, And I think we will see more of this, uh, more and more uh, as the day passes, like people that started Uh, having ai as their main focus starting getting jobs to focus on the ai maybe on discovery stages maybe to already implement something with well-known platforms in my case it's more of a discovery stage like we are going to be prototyping until we know exactly what we want to do and then etc yeah Uh,
0: i I think there's uh, actually one of the labels I had initially on the chart that I eventually published was prototyping because <laughs> I think a lot of people are prototyping, but um, you know people don't wanna pay you just to prototype. They want, they want you to prototype and then shift to production. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to zoom out a little bit more in terms of um, what we want uh, people to focus on as part of the job. Um, uh, Fleming, you raised your hand to, to speak. Uh, do you have an AI engineer story or perspective?
6: Hey, yeah. Um, I'm really interested in, in seeing the role of the AI engineer like rise up, and I was really intrigued by your article and this space, so hello, everybody. I've Hi. been doing data science and a hybrid of software engineer for close to 10 years now on the data science part. Um, I got started with Python and predictive analytics and that kind of things i used to work in 2014-15 building recommender systems and but after a while i like sort of break out on my own and i started doing websites and having like my own agency and got out of the machine learning side or of the data science side <laughs> etc for of course analytics and that stuff that related to the websites and lately, when I see the whole thing about the OpenAI API and and all that stuff, I have gone back in trying to build something, and I I'm trying to build a prompt engineering tool right now. And when I see the amount of things and the amount of progress that is going in the field, like I really resonate with most of the things people are saying here, and with your call of having like a proper definition of what these fields of what what this new field or profession uh, should be called or described i think i feel the bill i've been doing some sort of job in in that area but it's really interesting to finally see it like in a concrete form so props to you and props to to the conference and everything and i'm i've seen your work in a small house to like I really think there's a lot of stuff coming on and the the pace of this AI revolution is breathtaking. Like Sometimes you feel like there's 10 new tools every day. So the role of the AI engineer is to sort of understand all of those tools and provide products for people. I really like this, and I'm really looking forward to connect with you all and sharing some tools and some stuff that I'm working on, and seeing what everybody else is working on in the field.
0: Yeah, very, very welcome. Um, thanks for all the, the kind words. Um, actually, I was yeah, uh, I forgot you 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 mentioned something which I wanted to respond to Max on, which was that um, you know software engineering becomes uh, part of the job, it doesn't, you know, we're not being replaced by AI, we're um, harnessing AI, it would be enab- enabled by it. Um, and so my, my sort of neat way of encapsulating this was 1 plus 2 equals 3, right? So software 1.0 is traditional coding, software 2.0 is machine learning, and then software 3.0 is um, AI-enabled applications. Um, and uh, the whole point of 1 plus 2 equals 3 is like what, like software 1.0 doesn't go away, we're actually We're actually way more powerful because uh, we can wield all these AI apis um, uh, to to these things and uh, so yeah um it, it's it's really inspiring to see so many people um in that cause and and partially yeah I, I think that what you're feeling that it's already happening and you know I'm just putting a name to it I think that is uh, absolutely why I did it right like I, I think um when you, when you find people, a group of people who like all have the same problems, all use the same language, and they're different and distinct from, um, and let's say, a, a different group of people like the machine learning and ops crowd, um, then all you have to do is give them a name. Um, help employers find employees. Help engineers find jobs that they love. And I think uh, that's the basis for a really good community and conference. And, um, I mean, that's some of the most fulfilling work that I can do as, as a community organizer, or as, as a writer. Um, AI Studio, um, this is another anonymous account you just joined. Hi.
7: Hi, and thank you for having me here. I've, I've met a few of you already uh, here on Twitter. And just going back to what Max AI was saying uh, to the same point about uh assisting tasks that are enhanced by this new technology. When uh, it was first released, uh, ChatGPT was first released, not GPT-2 as we have all known, has been out for a long time. But when ChatGPT was released last year, I remember having this this thought and feeling that, oh my God, everything that I can imagine of doing because I, I didn't have this deep knowledge of coding. Uh, I was I just had this basic knowledge of uh, how to make software. I knew a little bit of JavaScript, uh, HTML, CSS, uh, some some of, of server. You know um, what makes a server run. Um, I I thought well I can make things now that I wasn't able to make. Um, and something that I've had had for a long time is ideas. So when this was released, I thought, well, there's one thing that i that that I want to do for certain, and it is to create and make these ideas that i've I have had for a long time, and for lack of resources being be it um time or or money to hire many many uh, engineers to development develop them. Uh, now these things are possible, not at a perfect um, way that you will have an enterprise app, but, you know, something that you can go to, to a startup event and maybe get some people interested behind the idea. So I, I quickly went to uh, ChatGPT and asked it, what are possible titles for people who, have this um, this interest and and know how to do these kind of tasks and things and are creative. And among the the list of titles that it gave me, it gave me the title of well, AI solution, AI solution uh, architect or AI uh, innovation manager. And when he said those two around. Uh, the possible things that and and the tasks that i am known to be to i am known i am known to have done prior to this task i said well it all makes sense let me propose this to the place I, I work so where i work right now i am the ai innovation manager and my task is to go through all the tasks that we we do in the place of of our work and find how to enhance those tasks, where to save and cut uh, through red tape and process. And I've been able to do to do that with three uh, tasks and 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 it's, it's it's an amazing feeling. So I Thank you very much for putting putting that document out today about the AI engineering engineer and that's something that I look forward to become. Uh yeah, thank you so
4: much. Um
0: I we're we're actually trying to help people become AI engineers, we're trying to help companies hire AI engineers and which honestly I'm also trying to help startups. Um, explain themselves to engineers. <laughs> you know, there's like 30 different vector database startups and uh, nobody can make heads or tails about like when to choose what. Um, and I, honestly, like I was actually very excited, uh, you know, in planning this thing with Ben. Like we, we just have a day where um, everyone just kind of goes around to different vendors and sponsors and actually like meet them, right? Like just like meet the companies that are building in AI and and try to figure out like, what tool was right for you? And um, I think it's super exciting. Um, it, I, one thing I, I actually wanted to do for this post and failed to do was to publish a prototypical job description for the AI engineer. I think essentially everyone needs to define this role and nobody has a word for it. Like, well, sorry, now we have a word for it, but we don't have a JD for it. And so like the next step is to like say, hey, um, you know, what do people want? Um, what, what is what is this job? Like, what? Um, how can we... In a healthy way, encourage um, you know very productive and specialized uh, software engineers to become AI engineers uh, and be productive at, at the various companies that they work at. Uh, I think it's very uh, to me that would be my sort of ideal situation. Uh, Joseph, you have an idea. Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say we have this exact problem at Roboflow. So at Roboflow, we build tools for developers to use computer vision in their products. Um, we we say our north star is enabling developers to make the world programmable and. You know, we actually, you know, we have open roles, and we describe this the same idea in a in a couple of different couple of different ways. Like, we actually will relist the same role with different titles because we're not exactly sure what the right thing is to to call it. So, uh, I'd love to see what you think uh, the ideal job description is for um, AI engineer. But generally, like on the ML team, we have folks that we say are full stack machine learning engineer, and that's uh, kind of like taking um, things that are known, and it's like true engineering work, where you know uh, that a given technique is de-risked and should probably work, and you're building an infrastructure uh, to do serving or uh, capability. Um, but it's, it's largely an engineering problem, right? Like, it's not like a, is this possible? It's more like a, this is, this is largely possible, or likely possible, or there's a model that works to accomplish some given task. Uh, how do we enable um, more people to take advantage of that capability? But then we also have um, a, a description of where we say Applied Machine Learning Research Engineer. And so SWIX, in the post that you put out, and as was called out previously, you kind of have this like line in the sand of API of, are you on the left-hand side of an ML researcher, research scientist, ML engineer, where you're doing training and evals and creating inference and focusing on the data, or are you on the right side of the API line where you are you know, a full-stack engineer consuming that API, or as you introduced an, API or an AI engineer, um, using that API for maybe agents or, or tooling. And we kind of have like someone that we, we don't know how to describe this, but we want almost someone that's going back and forth on that line between like AI engineer and ML engineer and research engineer. Basically like you are keeping up to date with in, in our space, for example, segment anything comes out and that makes uh, the ability to understand and segment scenes in the real world, uh, zero shot and especially powerful However, Segment Anything comes out, and it only rides you with the mask. It doesn't actually label the masks that it understands. So there's a little bit of work to be done to uh, make that be useful. Um, and so, I mean, there's since been quite a few papers and publishings, and this is like all the rage at, largely at CVPR as well, where you take those masks and then you just kind of slap on like a classifier or like clip or grounding dyno to make sense of what's inside the masks. But that's sort of like, that's like model glue in like somewhat like research. It's like how good or how reliable is that system? And then some of those systems hit and they are reliable and then you do want to turn them into APIs. Your post would maybe suggest that what I just described maybe should be two distinct things where someone is, you know, uh, fully focused on like the research engineering side of, hey, if I add clip to the end of Sam, does that allow me to understand every scene or mask in this given image? Now that that is proven out, okay. Let me hand this to an AI engineer who's going to take that and build it into the product. So I'm curious, Twix, like, as you thought, as you hear, like, for a company like us, just trying to hire for various sorts of different profiles of uh, all the way down to like applied side of, yep, we know these models work. To like hire higher, higher up or maybe leftward on the graph that you've laid out of back and forth between the two. How do you think about describing that capability of someone who's testing out state of the art and then when it works, putting it into production.
0: Yeah, um, unicorn. <laughs> this is the <laughs> this is the does you know does all things uh, person um, uh, that embodies both sides. I, I'd definitely say you know the API line is a dotted line. It's it's you know it's kind of fuzzy cross, crossover, um, and, and probably I should maybe draw some lines where AI engineer intrudes on ML engineer research engineer a little bit, and then ML engineer. Oh, I'm hearing some applause. <laughs> Who got the soundboard working on Twitter Spaces? That's amazing.
8: Um,
0: yeah, and then and then obviously uh, ML and research engineer can easily cross over to API, um, but they may not be as um, well versed in front end or um, you know databases or anything like that. Um, uh, uh, so like yeah, it, it's a it's a permeable area, uh, and I would say. The AI engineer is definitely more from a software engineering background. The ML engineer is more from, uh, let's say, more like data science research, research backgrounds. Um, and yeah, they can, they can do multiple things. Um, I think you just want to specify... Um, in your job description, <laughs> what exactly you're looking for um, in, in, you know, so that the front end space, there's, there's this term that came up, you know, front of the front end and front of the, uh, back of the front end. And we could, um, I, I did actually consider doing this, right. Like um, at the, at the end of the post, I actually spec out like there's AI UX, there's AI Tools, AI Infra AI Agents. And it's just like, what are the sub-disciplines of AI engineering? And um, there's definitely more sort of front facing, um, yeah, engineering, and then there's more back facing. And um, for sure, there's a big part which is going to be, um, you know, being able to work with the models and get them into, uh, and, 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 you know, not, not being afraid of touching, let's say, the, the PyTorch code, right? Like actually getting, being able to, to dive dive in. Um, and for those who don't know, Joseph was episode seven on our podcast, um, our first major, major hit. And, you um, uh, until recently i think number two in, in terms of all-time best until george hotz uh, kind of knocked him off um uh, <laughs> you, you did good though you did good you lasted it was like, a good run
9: it like, was a good run
0: yeah that's like 36 hours uh, before george hotz was like oh. um anyway so uh yeah so i i think i think there uh, it, it's up to you whatever term whatever title you want to call it and whatever people want to choose to call themselves i think um, I just think like there is a I'm definitely more coming from more from the, the point of view of software engineers will be moving towards AI. And and this is kind of a white space, whereas uh it's much more common for ML engineers, research engineers to uh to move the other way. There's just way fewer of them, right? There's like, I don't know, a few thousand of them in the world that are like really that are actually qualified, and then there's a few million software engineers. Uh, looking a little the other way, and so just from a pure demand, demand and supply perspective, you're going to find just a whole lot more AI engineers who will have to self-educate on the skills that they now lack. Um, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Amazing question. By the way, okay, I'll, I'll read out one thing. I saw, I saw a couple hands up, and I, I, I know I admitted a couple new speakers. Um, so I'm just going to read out the job description that we actually drafted, but I never published. Um, because you're listening on audio, you get, you get to see the sort of behind the scenes of, like, stuff that we actually ended up not doing. Um, so the original name for the conference was AI DevCon. Um, so that's the domain name that we could have got. <laughs> and, and we tried to, uh, mo- we, we tried to sort of mock up some of the, the sort of ideal profile. So what is an AI engineer? A new category of engineering that straddles the line between ML engineer and software engineer. Point one, they are familiar with the trade-offs between the various state-of-the-art foundation models, both open source and closed, and can provide technical guidance on selection and deployment for companies ramping up their AI capabilities. Point two, they're familiar with multiple modalities of foundation models, including audio, code, image, uh, and et cetera, and can apply them when needed. Point three, they are proficient with the latest research in prompt engineering techniques and know when to use them and when they're unnecessary. Uh, point four, they're familiar with all the tooling, Langchain, Lama Index, Pinecone, Vivia Chroma, Garbills, et cetera, that's the state of the art for LLM enabled software. Point five, they can ship fully IFs to production, including handling real world concerns of latency, model drift, scaling, security. Security includes rate limiting, con- cost control, prompt injection, data privacy, and optimization. Point six, they're experimenting with new AI UX modalities that unlock the massive capability overhang from the last five years of growth in LLMs. And point seven, uh, which is fun, they do not train their own LLMs to start with. So I think I think having the things that like, having a, a list of ideas where you you, you do X Y Z and then you do not do ABC, um, I think that hopefully helps to converge towards some kind of definition. Um, but yeah, well I'll be working on more hopefully putting out um, what what I've been envisioning is kind of like the safe of job descriptions like something that you can grab off the shelf and customize and, and start using. So um, hopefully that would help both um, employers and employees. Okay, so uh, I have. Joseph,
2: i was just saying i, I want to help uh workshop that and i want you to tear apart what we have in respect with respect to the safe of jds that sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds awesome uh, and you as a yc company i think would uh would be great to, to confer with on that and you know what um uh you know it's your uh, our offices are pretty nearby i'll try to find time on your schedule <laughs> uh, for, for those who don't know joseph and i work in the same room um okay so um Sean, AGI, and Daniel Wilson. Hi.
10: Hello. Um, yeah, I think thank uh, Sean you know, for this great post. And really, I think it really shows the power of naming. And also, thanks, Ben, for the summit. I think I just had chat over email an hour ago. And really cool to see you here. Um, I also like really glad to see so many like-minded people uh, gathered here. Uh, I'm Sean, I'm also Sean. So I worked on Google System for a couple of years, worked on self-driving car also for a couple of years. But I was never so excited about this new trend of generative AI. Uh, I started like putting all my resource, uh, like uh, in generative AI since like uh, GPT three come out last year, and I have built multiple projects, like from uh, there are some open source projects and, and also like uh, project for my company. So one of the open source projects I managed is called Quiver. I'm not sure if you have seen those like that project before, and uh, so it's your second generative uh, brand. And it allows you to dump all your files into your brain. So I'm pretty much managing all the like uh, infrastructure, large language model part for the project. And we were able to generate like nine thousand GitHub stars in in six weeks. Uh, so my story about AI engineer is like when I trying to introduce the new large language model tech stack into my own engineering team. So, so I, then I started to realize, okay, the skill sets is actually pretty different, and uh, uh, I actually cannot find a proper name. For for the the new role I'm looking for. I used to call it like large language model engineer or prompt engineer, but none of those resonated with me. So that's why I think Sean did a really amazing job come up with this name called AI Engineer. Uh, So my question is: now we have a job description, and how do you evaluate an engineer's performance? Right? How (laughs) (laughs) How do you see their like career growth? For example, do you maybe one day, like one AI engineer can manage it up to like 10 GPT engineers or like maybe 10 small developers? So what do you what do you think?
0: Wow, that's a interesting question. And your proposed solution is something I would not have suggested. Um, yeah, I, I think being like, okay, let's say we live in a world where GPT engineer or a small developer or whatever comes next, uh, let's say we live in a world where they're actually you know, useful on like day-to-day coding tasks, um, then actually managing them, yes, that would be a huge skill. And uh, That would probably be a different job, to be honest. Um, that may just become like products manager, <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe we'll, we'll, we'll name, it, name it a different job. I'm um, definitely thinking about AI engineer, not as that, because that, that is a future that doesn't exist today. I'm trying to f- really, really focus on like, what can we call ourselves today? um I, I think it's much more about you know the the job description that i um read out earlier um and uh yeah you know i, I think it, it just takes someone shameless enough to say like okay i know it's like not agi yet you know um and and i know it's like technically all oh, of that is not really ai but people just want like to say ai um, and LLM is, is is a bit awkward to repeat the you know the, the two Ls. So this is basically just going to converge on LLMs uh, on on AI engineer, right? It's not going to be FMs. It's not going to be LLMs. It's going to be AI. Um, so I think I think that like that was a, just a very long journey of acceptance that I had to come come for myself. Um, the the skill set, yeah. How do we evaluate that? Okay. So they should be able to do. Uh, they should be able to effectively wield. Um, ai to to do to build anything that the product team wants like you know, let's say your ceo your your product uh, manager head a products, whatever comes to you and says hey i saw this um you know interesting products out there or interesting functionality can you evaluate this and how do we add it to our products um, you would be the trusted authority within the company or the trusted advisor within the company to say okay like this is or is not feasible, we would use ABC tools because of X, Y, Z reasons, right? Um, That is the job of, I guess, any engineer. Uh, You know, it's AI engineers, a software engineer that specializes in AI. So, like, that would be what I would expect of them, Um, especially if it's something that's been done before, I would expect them to be able to clone it relatively quickly. Um, And it should be quick. Um, They should have... Higher mono capability as as to and familiarity with existing tools, such that they would not be running up the learning curve to evaluate like five different tools. They would already know that the, the stack that they like and use and are productive with, right? So that, I think that's where tools like LangChain, Mama Index are, are super helpful because they are sort of the one tool to rule them all, right? Like once you learn this thing, you can you can sort of use it as a sort of multi-purpose tool to to tackle everything. Um, so that's why you know I, I definitely had was missing a term to describe the Lang Chains and Lama Indexes of the world. And, and I think once I wrap my head around, like there, there is a job AI engineer, they will need tools. And this is kind of the preferred tooling of that world um, that, that does come into a lot more uh, sharp focus, I think for me. Um, okay, so um, I, I'm not sure if I totally answered your question. Does anyone else have like responses by the way? Um, I'll, I'll pause for responses. Um, okay. No. Um, so, and then I wanted to say hi to Daniel, who is, who's up and then Far-El, Safir, Crete, uh,
4: you're up next. Hey, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for hosting this. This is a lot of fun. We got, we had Alex's yesterday. we got this today. This is, this yeah. is good stuff. um, I, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to basically just uh, thank you for the paper. It was really, really helpful. Uh, enjoyed the read. It's, it's important for us to start putting language around this, um, for the industry. Um, And also I wanted to kind of put my, uh, my hat in the ring for, you know, helping with the job description stuff as well. Like we've hired a few of these guys as well um, and have some job descriptions that we're currently, you know, that we, that we put together. And we, we felt that, that crisis as well. Like, you know, the the standard ones didn't, didn't work anymore because there's some very specific skills that we're looking for that require you to be basically watching Twitter And in certain discords, you know, like every hour of every day, like (laughs) (laughs) we had very unique requirements of how up-to-date everybody was. was. And so actually that's where I did a lot of my hiring was I I was hunting in the various discords for people that were asking the right kinds of questions. And then I basically DM'd them. And then we started a conversation and I got a team of about four contractors out of it. And then we started talking to some of them about coming on full-time. So that's essentially like the process was, um, uh, you know, so I, I would love to be part of that conversation about what a good job description looks like. But I'd also say that, um, you know, the, the 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 bar has been lowered for folks to understand in general what types of problems are solvable with these new um, capabilities um, because they're doing their best to keep up. But maybe who aren't the actual maybe they're not the web one. You know, you do got your one plus two equals three thing. Like they're not very strong on the one. Um, and maybe haven't done much of the two, but they're really good at sort of the business side and understanding what the new unlocks are. I'll give you an example. Uh, One of our biggest customers, because we've got agents in production that are solving problems for customers right now. Um, I was sitting with one of the customers, and I was demoing one of the agents' capabilities, and somebody else in the room um, that we weren't working with was watching, and he says, well, we've got this other problem, and it's going to require this, this, and this it seems like an agent could probably do that. And in my mind, like when he explained the problem to me, I knew that was easily a three hour job, you know, and he basically said, name your price. He said, name your price, because this, I mean, this would take us months to do. Um, And so we had to kind of go back to, okay, what, what's our cost here. And, you know, it was going to cost, I think with API calls and everything about $688 and only about three hours of dev time from how we priced it out. So, like, what, what do we charge this customer for something we know is going to be really, really easy? It's going to solve a huge problem for them, um, and it's going to cost us very little. Um, but I, I was in the room. I understood the problem. I don't do all the engineering. Uh, I have I have a, a group for that. Um, and so there, there, there's going to be a role for, um, you know, business and uh, AI business and product lead type stuff, uh, of folks who identify what problems are solvable and then have a team ready to execute um, very quickly um, using the current tools. So I don't know if that adds value or not, but I wanted to say that.
0: Uh, It does. Uh, Well, I I wanted to follow up on something that you said at the start, which is uh, what are the right questions (laughs) that people are asking that marks them out as an AI engineer? (laughs) Not to give away too much of your secret sauce.
4: Oh, sure, sure. Well, so like people who are like I was looking at people who were, you know, doing regular stuff with, you know, like, you know, doing PRs for LangChain and who are involved in all of the, like making all of these systems better at sort of the foundation level um, and who are actively like involved and asking really good questions about capabilities or running into challenges and then solving those challenges. So I was really just kind of stalking for both the energy um, as well as like the, the ones who are, who are actively, you know, if you look at their GitHub, they're just, and I mean, it's just bright green. Right. So like just able to see the energy, the enthusiasm, as well as um, those who literally are like, like a new paper will drop. Uh, Alex will, you know, do, uh, do some new amazing thing. And uh, somebody will comment and say, I already read that. And here's a problem I saw. I tried to do this. And then I, I kind of go in and figure out what they're, they're, Um, their GitHub is or where they're at on Discord. And basically, yeah, like the amount of enthusiasm and energy, because like the amount of time you're spending in this is, um, you know, a direct indicator of how specialized you are and how capable you are to execute because of the pace of the development right now. And so if you're, if you're just actively going, um, if you're actively working on all of this stuff, you're reading the papers and you're you're making comments like, okay, you're, you're caught up. It's sort of similar to Web3. I don't know how many Web3 people there are in here or, or whatever, but there was a similar vibe as well of people just you're you're in the discords, you're figuring out what the next, you know, mint is going to be, all that kind of stuff. So there's like a similar energy around uh, this space as there was sort of during the, the crypto craze and the NFT stuff. And um, so I, I kind of look for that, that, uh, that energy and enthusiasm around all of this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, well, you know, <clears throat> enthusiastic, eager, early uh, adopter people who are technically capable and uh, care about doing things um, will always have a job. Um, well, so wh- wh- one more thing I wanted you to semi-plug but also explain is um, you work on XRI. Um, you also launched um, where and you said you had successful agent systems running in the background for you. Um, I'm interested in just like um, maybe introduce that a little bit but then also explain like you know, I, I imagine like this is going to be a job that AI engineers do. Uh, what was hard about it? Um, you know, what, what was the process of doing it, of uh, designing an agent?
4: Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it it's basically where I, I came in with an existing problem, right? So I've been working, I've, I've, I run, I run, ran XRI as a consultancy for many years, and then we transitioned into, you know, startup mode. But basically, I've worked in the language technology space for over five years as a consultant for low-resource languages. So these are languages that are, you know, that that have no uh, digital viability, right? Um, and so we've been working on deploying apps all over the world to collect language data and build data sets for low-resource languages. Um, but I was keeping track of of everything that was going on here, and it occurred to me, you know, my background is academic. I've got a PhD in linguistics. I've done research in the caucasus mountains writing grammars and research articles um, on kind of unique morphology of some of these endangered languages and whatnot so i knew those resources existed um and there's just they're they're everywhere they're like the thousands of languages not yet uh, covered by traditional sort of machine translation methods um, have tons of documentation about them and i said you know what i bet i could get Um, an agent to read through all of the linguistic literature on a particular language, learn how the language works, um, produce synthetic data that then we can validate with native speakers, which would then, you know, improve the system. And that's what we have. That's what we have running right now. And so, um, you know, auto polyglot was just a fun project of getting it to write a rule based machine translation system. And it was just fun to watch it work. It's sort of, it's an auto, you know, um, an auto GPT type thing, but actually that's not, that's not where our secret sauce is. That was just sort of a fun little uh, demo. Um, uh, we, we've we got a little bit more human in the loop stuff going on that is actively imp- improving this. And then basically we see a path towards, um, you know, having agents on devices that are actively updating their knowledge about how a language works, even at the level of dialect, accent, etc. So that, you know, anyone, anywhere could, could have a, a model built, for them in their particular language, and so that's kind of our trajectory and where we're headed, and what we're hiring for, um, and uh, yeah, get to that sort of universal translator space where um, you can communicate with anyone in the world. Next ten to fifteen years is sort of what what we're saying, um, and so uh, yeah, that that's that's kind of what we're doing. And then as far as like the process of like getting an agent, um, you know, up up and running. I mean, I yeah, like. Like I, I, found the talent. I told them exactly what we needed, and then they've been working nonstop to get it done. And so, we've got uh, we've got happy customers right now. And um, you know, of course, we're running into a lot of the same challenges of production-ready agents that get too creative. Um, and so, we're, we've got our own methods of trying to rein that in um, and have more deterministic output um, and kind of reduce the creativity and the inconsistency at the at the current level. We've also Spun up Falcon and done done some other stuff to sort of you know figure out what kind of stuff we can keep um, you know use some open source uh, models for for some of our own purposes as well. So we're we're, we're experimenting like everybody is, um, but um, but yeah we're 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 getting paid uh, which is nice. <laughs>
0: so- it's awesome. Uh, so like
4: basically what I hear is
0: AI engineers would do everything you just described. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Our, um, yes. AI engineers are, are who we are hiring and who have, have done successfully what we needed to. And, and, and the, the true shock came at that sort of three hour challenge that, you know, I got a pitch, uh, one week of saying, Hey, can you have an agent do this for us? I said, yeah. And, uh, you know, I communicated to one of our leading AI engineers and he had it done in about, uh, three hours and yeah, it, 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 <laughs> It's, it's crazy. It is crazy how how um, the cost has just has dropped significantly yeah. of, of pr- producing producing solutions for. Phones. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, it's uh, that's what we're still discovering. You know, like the costs are dramatically lower. Uh, the speed time to market is dramatically faster um, and the value to customers may be higher than traditional software, which is absurd. Uh, we, we all need to be jumping on this as, as soon as possible. Um, okay, great. Uh, I wanted to uh, make sure that I also say hi to the two new speakers, Crete and Suffereer, Uh whichever one of you is ready to say hi and you know ask a question or talk about your experience.
11: Yeah. Um, so I, I like the last point uh, where you talked about uh, some people may not be great at the one or the two, but they're really good at the three. And it's kind of where I, I found myself as um, I actually am not a software engineer. I do like BI development and more data science stuff. Um, but I work at a really small company, so I'm basically the only data person. So I kind of cover most of it myself. Um, but it's it's been interesting recently um, kind of changing my, my focus and the, the time that I spend has has gone from less of the actual writing Python and working in, you know, Power BI to creating my own software to where I can just have conversations. So I have like a, my own like CSV agent and then like another, um, another agent that's basically, I just have conversations to ask about the data that normally I would, you know, have to spend the time writing the code to, to go through the data. And now I just spend time having conversations with agents on, on going through the data themselves. And then, having conversations to write that code and then copy and paste it. And then that's my day. It's just giving to have conversations with agents.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is, that is going to be a lot of our days as well. Um, I
11: talk to ChatGPT and Bard and Bing and
0: Anthropic uh, 20 times a day. Um,
11: yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I don't really understand, like, you know, like, I tell people I'm a BI developer, but, like, I really don't. I don't really do any of that stuff anymore. It's, like, it feels weird because I don't really – I mean, yeah, my my role is BI developer, but I what do I do? What I spend most of my time doing? Is just creating my own software and improving that. But to be fair, it's it's for you know my sole purpose. Um, when I think it could be definitely developed for a brighter, you know, a bigger audience. Um, but it's it's weird, like not being a software engineer and building software, and it's like it's so easy.
0: It is. It is. Um, yeah,
11: and. That's what
0: um, I think Elon just replied to Andre Karpati's post and basically saying, you know, English is uh, natural language programming. And I think that's kind of what you're describing, which is also absurd. Um, all we need to do is hook up the, um, I guess, the agents with some ability to have effects on the outside world. And, and you're off. You're programming with English, which is crazy. Um, when I developed a small developer, um, half of the code base was prompts just English prompts. Um, it, it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, OK, uh, Sir, Sir Fareer, I think uh, you're up, and TMC.
12: Yeah, thank you. I wanted to say I really enjoyed the essay. It resonated with me on several points. Uh, in my own experience, I'm a software engineer. I worked at Google Monday and opened my own startup, Live, which we do live streaming uh, for about eight years now. And during this path, one of the things we did, we wanted to, we always wanted to have AI in our product. And the most obvious place to put that was in uh, segmenting the incoming comments from the live audience. So we did one project with a machine learning engineer, and that project failed. And then we hired a a small company that trained a model. And it took, of course, a lot of resources. Today, all of us can already imagine the prompt that could achieve the exact same thing. It's an incredible jump, an order of magnitude in the abilities of what we can do. I wanted to share with you an anecdote just to show you this isn't just about technical companies, this uh, this very important conversation that we're having. Uh, I was in contact with a client from a totally non-technical company. They are selling courses online, and he wanted to implement in his uh, sales process some uh, processing of the recorded conversations and asking simple questions regarding their own, uh, let's call it business logic. So as an engineer, so what I wanted to show is the perspective of this company, a non-technical company, until now, he would not have the chance to do a project like I described. He could—they're not in any position to start a technical operation. What changed? Uh, ChatGPT happened. Midjourney happened. AI happened, and all of a the sudden, these kind of these kind of people are aware that the, it can be done. It's totally in the power of generative AI to achieve this this kind of project. So, as AI engineers we have to answer four questions just to achieve this kind of thing. The first is an important one. Can it be really done? The second is how can it be done? On the, let's call it the prompt engineering level. Then there's the software engineering level of tying everything up. And how do we deliver it? And you touched the point that right now, the The ground is shaking under our our feet, so the answer to each of these four questions can change every week. And it's really important to stay up to date, and that's why it's really important to have uh, these community gatherings and the conference that you're having. And uh, it's an exciting world to be in, and happy to be here with you. Thanks so much.
0: Um, yeah. Uh- I, I like I really like their phrase in the in the post that you know it's almost a full time job and no actually it is a full time job um speaking of uh people who are friends of the pod um I wanted to welcome Jared from Vercel. what's up man um don't know if you're able to speak but you accepted the speaker right <laughs> uh Vercell recently put out the um AISDK, um, and they're doing very interesting work around functions, um, which I'm pretty excited to hear about. I think um, it, it's going to be a key tool of um, a lot of the
13: engineers. Hey, yeah, sorry, I lost signal there. Can you just repeat what you? Oh, said? I, I was just
0: telling people about the SDK and then the stuff that you guys are researching regarding functions. You had you, you tweeted out some diagrams, which I thought was uh, really interesting. And I, I don't know, just do your thing. Talk, talk <laughs> whatever you want to talk about. Oh yeah.
13: Oh, word. Um, Yeah, I mean, the SDK, we're actually surprised about um, the product market fit on this. Um, It just seemed like everybody was kind of copying the same like 10 lines. I don't have 10, maybe 40, 50 lines of streaming code. And the streaming code that they were copying was wrong. Um, And we actually have we have Malta, our CTO, who used to run Google search. um, And a couple of our engineers that are on TC39, like sit down and look at. Like, deeply look at how to actually perfect the actual act of streaming um, from these LLMs and, you know, doing the chat GPT effect for those who, are, um, who aren't familiar, you know, this sort of typing effect um, and how to do it like the most insane, possibly most perform- performant way. Um, and so we did that. And then we we're like, okay, well, nobody should ever have to write this code ever again. Uh, and then the other insight, too, is that. Um, We aren't that interested in like competing with LangChain because like that seems pretty legit. And regardless of where these other LLM, whether regardless of provider, it's Hugging Face, OpenAI, Anthropic, you're still gonna want to have this. You're still gonna want to stream because streaming is just faster. Um, So that's where we sort of the idea for the SDK to come in. Just how how can we make it so that the uh, average you know run-of-the-mill web developer can get start as fast as possible uh with these new tools and, and do it perfectly uh you know at the edge and uh, in, in in the what we consider like the, the easiest possible way and so we did that we so there's the sort of two parts of the sdk there's the um, back end side of it which has got compatibility with OpenAI and cohere and anthropic and any of the major lm providers and on the front end side of things. Uh, for React View and Svelte, they're hooks that allow you to do chat and completion really, really easily. Um so yeah, I mean it's been it's blown up. It's been pretty cool to see. Um, like people are building all kinds of stuff with that and with our chatbot template. It's been cool to see what's what people are working on. And then yeah, we're 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 working deeply with and thinking about functions because um, they kind of change the game and what we want to be conscious of is to make sure that from a security perspective, when people do functions, that they're safe, uh, that people's prompts are secure. Um, and so we want to make sure that before we just like, we have experimental support for them right now, but um, we want to make sure that the, the programming model is correct. And we want to explore what that ends up looking like. Um, we're also looking at potentially um, more agent style, um abstractions um but yeah that's that's where we're at right now it's really really exciting stuff are you hiring ai engineers oh yeah uh so i've taken over the uh ai team uh to get it go sort of go from zero to one uh and we are definitely hiring so if people are interested there's a principal engineer position and uh on our website, Vercel.com slash careers. Nice, nice, super nice bug. Um,
0: actually was, so one one of the things that was a topic of discussion before you came on was how do we, I guess, interview people for this? Like, you know, if we if you're specifically hiring for an AI team, uh, what's in the job description? How do we interview any any perspectives that you might have? Obviously, you know, you don't have to commit to that or you're not speaking on behalf of Vercel. Um
13: no, I guess we of okay. cell, I mean, look, I, I have a pretty. Uh, um, it's uh, the team we're building is actually very similar to the Turbo team that we put together. Nice. Um, we want to balance um, what we consider to be like product engineers uh, and framework engineers. Um, and you think that's kind of wild for Vercel because we're a very open source company, but actually, it's really awesome when you get this great mashup of these types of engineers. Um, framework designing engineers being like, you know, people with like deep fundamental understanding of the space that can design the APIs for everybody to use and product engineers that know how to build stuff uh, that can guide um, the uh, sort of guide the team and get stuff done. And you, you, we look for both. So we took some of our team uh, engineers from the Next.js team um, and we're working backwards, honestly, from the UI um in all the products that we're building like we always do it for sale um and then backfilling that with um some you know deep deep expertise in the space yeah that's amazing well thanks for that perspective
0: Uh, i i always wonder you know i i I, i'm not a framework dev but i do uh sometimes cosplay as one um i always wonder how to get people to that level of thinking about programming because people are not used to framework like being a framework that being being you're i guess your building and designing for other developers for a type of programming that you have to maintain essentially forever
13: um yeah it's it's a nobody trains you to do that no it's so it's a it's a special skill um for sure um you know there's folks that, that you know the, the, the list is short even at Vercel i would say of these types of people uh, you probably know most of them. You know, it's like the Sebs and the Rich. The Seb, Sebastian Mark Bay, Rich Harris. Uh, there are a few others um, in the space. You've got like Nathan Hammond on the Turbo team and a bunch of these people that just, they've been thinking about this problem or the problem space for years is usually the, the, the common thread. Um, sometimes decades. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're informed by, you know, real world use cases. So like we built the, for this AISDK we were building three, we built like five, six, seven, eight different projects and found, you know, abstracted code and then added some, our, our little bit of sp- taste there. And it's, it's not, I, I, you know, as cool as it is to say like, oh, a framework engineer, um, a lot of this is just a, seeing repeated patterns and adding our little bit of sparkle and taste. And then, you know, I, I won't say that, um, Guillermo's, um, influence is, is in every single thing. Oh, he's the OG engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's if G, if G approves, then it's then you can ship. Yeah. Yeah. He's the the, the framework of frameworks
0: engineer. Um, okay. Well, uh, really, really appreciate you weighing in, and obviously, super big fan of uh, all the stuff that Versal is doing. Um, I'm going to open it up a little bit more to um, uh, the new joiners, Alex. Um, I, I see you're back from your emergency.
14: Yeah. What's up, guys? <laughs> I've been out for like a, an hour, and suddenly. Sean, your original tweet about this is like half a million views, and and Elon is- Because Elon's a white, yeah. (laughs) That's great. Uh, I haven't caught up on everything you talked about uh, in space, but I wonder if being on Twitter is a requirement for being an engineer, the the, the crazy space, you know, the crazy pace of innovation and changes and and folks launching things. I wonder if like being on Twitter is and and knowing how to find the right folks, the right communities, I think uh, Daniel talked about this a little bit. Uh, where, where do you learn everything changes on the fly where do you go How, who you ask like if, if this is a new career we're like talking about the new career path essentially right um, there's not a lot of people with a deep um, history of doing this right it's fairly brand new to all of us and then uh, we're also coming into a world where Stack Overflow is less and less kind of uh, a body of knowledge that you can rely on, right? if you're a Python engineer, if you're, like, know, doing ops, uh, DevOps, there's stuff for you to read from, to to ask. This is all new, and we're moving to a world here to kind of solve their own stuff. So I think the community part definitely is um, important. And that seems to be right now on Twitter, and maybe cool. some discords?
15: Well, I, I think some of the benefit is actually not knowing um, what uh, what could have been done. Because I mean, if you think about it, engineering basically is, you know, you're designing and building systems under a set of constraints. And part of that is both understanding the problem and then also the capabilities. And what's happening is, is that we're just getting new capabilities, like literally like every week or every month. So things that were really difficult or impossible um, have suddenly become trivial. And so, you know, it you really have to like shake off like sort of what you know, um, and in some ways that's why uh, the new folks you know they don't know what's impossible. So then you try it, and then you realize, oh wow, you can iterate very quickly. Um, I think one of the difficulties with uh, you know doing frameworks is, is about getting the right type of abstractions, and so you had to have, like just seen a lot of different problems, and also just problems that you've seen maybe not necessarily even to do with AI or machine learning, but just things that you've learned over decades that. You know, so everything old is new again. Um, that was just a comment, I guess.
13: <laughs> no, it's, it's 100. The way, the way we talk about it for Vercel is that six months ago, you needed a PhD to do a lot of this stuff. And now you just need to make a REST API call.
15: Yeah, and I think one of the really amazing things is that you can get uh, ChatGPT to sort of simulate uh, what your program would do if it did exist. And I think... That's like pretty pretty amazing uh, in itself, right? Just you know, pretend like you could do this. Pretend that you do exist, and then sort of give me the uh, you know give me the API for it, and then actually just you know return what you would return if if it did exist. And that's that's really fast and something that's very different. Um, I would also say something that's very difficult is uh, I think when you have full and complete systems in like large, uh, you know, you have large development organizations, there are these things, these things kind of look almost like a toy. They don't really quite do 100%, you know, it only does like 90% and you have a full development team and you need, you know, all the edges sanded off and everything always running. But if you don't have a development team and suddenly, you know, you're like, you, you're like wow, for 20 bucks, I can, uh, you know, get 90% what I want for, for free. I think that's why, like, a lot of the newcomers uh, find it, uh, it, it, I don't know, not exhilarating, but, you know, it gives you, like, superpowers, and it's very, very uh, attractive. Um, but then, you, you know, they say demos are, are easy, but, you know, shipping, you know, you know, in production is hard. But, uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> so, uh, you know, just to... Well... Go, going along with that, with that that 90% and that last 10%, right, and getting stuff to production is is the hard part. That's where I think, like, the the super AI engineers are the ones that come with just an unbelievable senior engineer kind of track record, but who are also keeping up, right, because they're going to know what libraries exist to solve that remaining 10% or to deal with the, um, you know, it's not quite getting the output right every, every single time, but they have, like, a handful of just tricks up their sleeves from – you know, years and years of experience um, in traditional software engineering, and and they're able to make up that time.
15: Yeah, and that's kind of my background. You know, I've been uh, semi-retired for a while, and then I've just come back into this the last like couple months. And you know, my, my background is you know I was an engineering director at like Walmart.com. I worked at Wolfram Research. I did computer graphics. Um, so you know, decades of this stuff. And what's What's really cool is you almost you really have to shake it off and you know ask it to do things that would otherwise sort of be beneath your dignity to ask being to do these simple things and you realize like all these things are possible, but I think where the experience comes in is that you know it's like I, i'll ask you know I, I ask like you ask it how you might want to do things where you know that this was capable of being done with different environments like you know it's like oh, I know in Wolfram language there's a way to do this, so is there some syntactic sugar I could add to Python to get this to work and you know, just taking, you know, I, I mean, here's a tip too. Um, you know, Ch- so ChatGPT, one of the things is that it, people are telling it, hey, you know, you're a great programmer, you have decades of experience, but actually it's trained to make the uh, requester happy. So, one, one of the great prompts that I've used is just to say, you know, I have a computer science PhD and decades of experience, uh, be detailed and technical. And then you can almost feel like the model just like breathes aside, really say, oh, okay, great. Here, let me just give it to you full bore. And I was like, you know, don't worry about what I don't understand. Just give me everything you know. And you can have a really great conversation with it as a colleague um, because it doesn't necessarily know if you ask it to write code or design. It doesn't know what you're optimizing for. Are you optimizing for speed? Are you optimizing for readability? Are you optimizing for extensibility? Um, do you, you know, so those types of things are really, really helpful uh, and then you can get it to give you just, like, absolutely amazing things. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like Daniel says, like, having previous experience, like, you can just – just learning, like, new uh, libraries and frameworks are just, uh, you know, that kind of stuff where you would normally have, like, maybe a junior engineer be, like, uh, to go do something. You can, you can get over those speed bumps yourself, like, very, very, very quickly. Um, that's pretty – Pretty uh, extraordinary,
14: I find. I wanna, I wanna pull on the thread. Uh Swix, is this better? Is uh, my connection better now? Can you hear me well? Yep, you
15: sound, awesome.
0: You sound good. Awesome. So I wanna
14: pull on the thread. Thanks, Al. Uh, so, so two cool things kind of came to my mind while Al was talking. Right. One of them is uh you know we're talking about the ai engineer somebody who builds products you know using the lms as kind of part of the products which you mentioned like you know half of your code was actually kind of english and prompts and that's pretty cool however there's also like everybody else who are now using lms to help them code where you can talk to them as as a like a um, senior person and that kind of uh trains you in prompt in prompting right that that on its own like that uh, way of doing your own work that's not maybe related necessary to I, but also kind of trains you because, you know, you read online how to do this better. You talk to LMS all day and you kind of learn a lot. So uh, it's kind of like folks are converging towards this. However, the second thing is, as Al, you were giving like an example of a good prompt, I was thinking like, okay. For general stuff like talking with with chats, talking with LMs, that, that that may be great. You can give me your prompt. You can give me my prompt. You know, uh, act as a whatever uh, professional, etc. That could work. However, for specific stuff like like whatever Daniel's doing with language, whatever folks and uh, Swigs done for specific stuff, not necessarily. Like many times where I asked questions, on, even on Twitter, folks gave me some some answers, and and now we have this problem where like. Oops, someone hit the mute everyone button. Sorry about that. I was going, that was a- I was going too hard. Um, uh, I, think, I think I stopped talking just as you muted. So uh, that was- going back to this idea of um, sharing prompts is not like sharing code. That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to wrap my head around. and I'd love like a discussion about this, right? Because sharing code, sharing pieces of code, like like Jared was talking about, right? There's like, several things they copied around and then they decided to standardize this and this is kind of tooling around how to talk to things and, and maybe streaming and Malti is this amazing guy who, who came in and streaming is better. Sharing prompts, though, doesn't necessarily work because uh, one, you may are working with open source models versus like open AI. Uh, open AI switches it up on you, right? Like yesterday, a couple of days ago, we all got, you know, we woke up and most of our code suddenly changed because they changed the underlying model. And that's also something that, okay, w- where do you go now? Do, do you go to ChatGPT to ask about how to deal with 0.6.13 versus, you know, 0.3.13? Uh, where do you go? And that, that seems like to be just the community part. Um, I would love like a discussion about like, where do we learn, and how do we keep keep up to date? Uh, we, I I just tune into your spaces on Thursdays.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a real question. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of community. It's in a good way. It's decentralized, right? Because the alternative is it is centralized. No one has the time to like stay on Twitter all day. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, we meet up every uh, every quarter for a conference. (laughs) Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I think that I mean where we've drawn where we've gotten the help is like, you know, the the chain of thoughts you know came out, and then the tree of thoughts came out, and everyone was trying to kind of get closer and closer to, um, you know, having some consistency and deterministic output to input. You know, all the different ways of of getting uh, retrieval done. How do you how do you do knowledge retrieval from vector databases in certain ways? How do you define uh, what you're looking for and what you're what you're trying to surface and retrieve and what you're planning to do with that? Like knowing like knowing that those like those major benchmark papers and um, keeping track of who's like who's really up to who's really up to speed on on retrieval, who's really up to speed on kind of different ways of embeddings and chunking, and who's up to speed on um, like all of that and just having that like ha- having those those um, those kind of independent libraries and knowing like for for problems like this you're going to encounter these five or six different sub problems and I know all of those paper all, all of the papers that and, and the current research on those sub problems can reference and you're gonna have to mix and match and figure out which one is ideal for your particular use case and I don't I don't know I don't know I mean I don't know how you create that. Maybe that's part of what this whole AI um, engineer conversation is, is what are the typical problems and the typical sub-problems that are those problems that you try and solve in a, you know, in a retrieval type scenario or in, um, you know, whatever it is, name it. Um, that, that's kind of where, that's kind of how we're, we're approaching it is. Um, and then on the evaluation front as well, who's, who's doing really good work on evaluation um, and who's watching that space and who can you lean on to help you with evaluation. So I think we'll get into more sub-sub-disciplines as we continue to go along.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to actually remain decentralized right now and just seeing how all of these really interesting communities are popping up everywhere and different leaders are emerging, right? And there's all different types of ways people are meeting and staying up to date. You know, obviously you got your Twitter but then there's Cerebral Valley, there's just San Francisco itself. Tons and tons of people have come back to the city, and San Francisco just feels more alive than it has in a in a long time. Um, and so, I think that that's going to coalesce into, you know, some sort of some sort of network or uh, connections of nodes of of various networks into. A larger network, um, you know. Obviously, us—we're working to help people coalesce around uh, these ideas with the under the AI engineer brand, and so we're we're now a part of that. Um, but of course, we're not the only one. And uh, if anyone has any ideas or things that you'd like to request, uh, we're open to. Uh, to talking about that and, and, and integrating that into I our may, if, if I may answer my own question kind of, uh, one
14: of the things that I was recommending folks for a long time is just follow the PRs for Langchain and for Llama Index and a bunch of the times, you know, every new cool thing around vector databases and embeddings, et cetera, somebody will try to shove this into LangChain. And when you follow LangChain's PR, you're basically kind of staying up to date outside of Twitter. That, that was like one approach uh, that, that worked well. And I think recently there was another one. I'll, I'll try to remember <laughs> the other one, but definitely following those uh, pull poor... requests. Oh, uh, LangChain just released a, a whole, um, uh, like a list of tools and, and, and different integrations. Uh, where people can upload different things. So that, that definitely, we'll see more and more of those uh, pop up and, you know, uh, folks can follow those uh, because a lot of the update guys, the AI update guys, they kind of started from, hey, here's this cool thing that AI can solve for you into, hey, here's this new tool. And there's like 17,000 tools every day. And at some point, like the saturation is over o- over the top. Like at some point, how many chat summarization or PDF summarization tools that we need once it's commoditized.
9: I wanted to hop in, hop in there real quick. I, I'm TMC. I, I maintain the Go fork of LinkChain. Um, still quasi unofficial, but uh, have been in talks with Harrison. Um, I want to build on that a little bit. I see LinkChain as a really great opportunity for different programming language communities to Get involved with the LLM craze and space, uh, but I really want to uh, raise two questions. One, how can we find other opportunities in the same vein? I think LangChain is a really great option, and I'm very happy to see LangChain go growing and intend to have it grow much more. How can we build new cross-language environments to make sure that we are, uh, you know, not isolating? Obviously, the Python and JavaScript TypeScript communities are enormous but there are lots of programmers coming from many, many points of view. So one, how can we build more spaces like LaneChain to, to share ideas and grow? And then similarly, what do folks think about how the programming language space is going to evolve in the space? I have my own biases as I started the go fork. As soon as I saw TypeScript support land in LaneChain, I realized that, oh, there, there may be a multi-language future Around these, around these ideas and, and ways of working. Um, so I'm excited to hear what what other people think. How can we build more spaces to share? And what do folks think about how language support is going to evolve around LLMs?
0: Yeah, that's so broad. Um, this is usually the point where someone suggests WebAssembly, and I say, and I back their hands <laughs> and say, no. <"Nope." laughs> but at the same time, um, you know, as far as I understand, LangChain JS is a complete reimplementation of. Langchain, um, there's no shared code whatsoever, right? Is there shared code between um, the Go and no Python? No, there's not. It's it's pure. There is.
9: Yeah. I had some conversations with Harrison where he's. There's some consideration. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. There's some consideration about building kind of like a, a core Python server that the other yeah. language, languages would RPC to. But right now, it's
13: it's all pure yeah. Go. Speaking from somebody that hosts um, <clears throat> some stuff, uh, Wolf. That's it? Woof? Be, <laughs> There's yeah. no solution? Just woof? <laughs> no, just not woof. It's like, look, languages are different. Um, and the program models are different. So trying to force the same API seems like a, a, a is is, a, is generally a miss. Like, a big miss. Like, humongous massive miss. That being said, like, the same, like, ideas can be, you know, idiot like, idiomatic to a language and, and that's cool but trying to like do one for one is nuts uh yeah you know, the, there's also
9: the design in like to go is definitely not, it, we're not aiming for one for one we're, we took some of the core schema ideas but really want to make it go native and go idiomatic and i think that's how harrison sees the other language ports most fruitfully developing isn't isn't like a call by call port but really staying true to the idioms of the of the individual languages.
15: It's pretty interesting, too. Like, if you look at, um, like, the Microsoft folks have Semantic Kernel, which is, you know, mostly C-sharp bindings, and it's tied into the Microsoft environment. It's really well-designed. It's got really nice sort of ergonomics, um, but it's completely, like, if you're a C-sharp person and a Microsoft person, like, you're kind of all into Semantic Kernel, and you really don't see it, like, uh, in sort of this Twitter universe. Um, In the sort of a Wolfram Research, Wolfram Language folks, the LLM functions there are fantastic. Um, you know, I was actually porting some of that stuff over to a uh, Python um, universe. And it, it kind of is a little like that, is that there's, you see, they're, they're bigger. Uh, we're, we're actually in our own little uh, spaces and there's whole, you know, development environments in different languages um, that people don't even really see, which I find is like kind of kind of amazing. Um, But if you, if you are into the Microsoft environment, uh, you know, take a look at semantic kernel. Uh, That's got a pretty, it's got some really nice affordances uh, if you're, if you're into C sharp and that's a little bit more enterprisey. It it has, it's a little more um, for lack of a better word, more solid uh, kind of for deployment. Uh, And it's got uh, you know, sort of a nice little high level functions like skills uh, to try and uh, you know, bundle this stuff together, but it's very, I, I agree. Like these, you know, the the idioms in the in different language environments are just different.
0: Yeah, uh, learn once, right anywhere. Actually, I've heard I've heard a wise person say that.
13: So I have a uh, maybe last mistake. Um, we see. I was looking at the data in Vercel, like that. Uh, we see a lot of ho- uh, land chain um, usage in the hobby tier, and if I looked yesterday at the. Uh, What's in production at their highest traffic sites on Vercel and it's not present? Um, sites that make uh, requests to OpenAI. Uh, Jared, I think you may have muted yourself. Oh. Okay, oh, you're back. you So there's some evidence. I don't know where I cut off, but basically, um, there's some evidence to show that Langchain is not being used in production at high traffic. AI site on high traffic AI sites it's being used in the pro and hobby tier um, likely for maybe prototyping and side projects yeah I don't think Um, I don't think you
15: really even can it's got this slight jankiness to it for lack of a better word um, which is probably what you guys are seeing wait but I want a better word what what is people what are people (laughs) running into (laughs)
0: So, so the classic uh, the way that people f- phrase this is, you know, chain very good for getting up to speed and prototyping, but then you like the moment you run into some issue or some something that Langchain doesn't anticipate, you rip it out and then you re-implement it, right? Um, so, I mean, I get it, um, yeah. but at, at some point, it'll stick.
13: Yeah, um, that would be what the data shows.
3: Yeah, yeah, makes sense.
0: Um,
13: appreciate that. Uh, Zenova, you had your hand up
0: and then I want to go to Eugene.
3: Oh yeah. Um, I just wanted to comment on the, um, we're all talking about like the different, creating different, uh, sort of libraries or ports of popular models, uh, sorry, popular libraries such as Langchain. Uh, and I, one of the speakers here, uh, was implementing in Go. And I've I just wanted to sort of talk about some of the frustrations that have that I've experienced with um with uh, implementing uh, the Hugging Face Transformers sort of API uh, in JavaScript with Transformers JS. Um, it's just it, it it can be a nightmare at some, uh, to, some to some degree. Um, as an example, uh, in Python, if you want to um, make an object callable. You just uh override the the dunder the the call method underscore underscore call underscore underscore and in javascript that just they don't support like operator overloading they don't support uh like anything uh in that regard so it's 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 very hacky at the moment um if you actually look at the source code you have to like return like a proxy object which then uh, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. But I, I find it interesting where these sort of everyone, uh, we're trying to replicate or emulate the, the Python environment, because it's so it's, it's used so much by a by my machine learning engineers, and uh, AI engineers, in this case, now with that, that's sort of the topic we're talking about. So I, I guess, uh, what language or environment is sort of next on the list that uh, will will introduce a new a completely new um, user base? Uh, what do you like? Rust is that? I mean, Rust sort of has like the tokenizers is, bu- is built in Rust, so it's really it's really optimized. And you know, people have done done with uh, done a machine learning uh, operations or sort of uh, implementations in Rust already. Um, maybe other languages. Uh, what do you What do you all think? I feel like the
9: the llama the llama cpp project is already like actively bringing in other other language support, um, particularly on the Go front. There, there's that's a project called Local AI that um, mimics the OpenAI uh, endpoints, but lets you run local models. the The Whisper cpp and the Llama.cpp projects are are very exciting. Um, and they're actively adding new language bindings. Go bindings are great. Um, I imagine someone's worked on Rust bindings, but uh, especially been interested in how they're adding Falcon support. Arch- Falcon is architecturally different enough from Llama that it's taking some some work to get support. Um, but I imagine that we're going to see CPU. I mean, it's interesting that the project started as basically a CPU offload, but is now adding metal support, adding GPU support. So I would say the C++ ecosystem is opening up and given that there's openness to C bindings, I think we're gonna start seeing other languages emerge around long CPP.
14: We're also waiting to see what, you know, Chris Lapner and, and the modular team is, you know, cooking with Mojo and whether or not, you know, all, all of the all of the off the shelf open source models will be able to run at CPP levels uh, of speed, uh, which essentially, you know, will keep the bulk of the development like now in python and i think javascript i think uh, there's no escape and and for that reason like many of the folks here and and sean and like everybody else in in nova obviously with transformers.js it's been it's been a slog but we're finally getting there right like with with like uh, six months ago almost eight months ago a lot of this was just python a lot of the stuff that you wanted to run either locally or Um, you know, to to go to OpenAI, you either did the REST directly or just Python. And now we're slowly starting to see a bunch of, like, uh, front-end world coming in. Uh, But also, as TNC said, there's a bunch of, like, you know, Go and Rust bindings. Everybody's trying their own because, you know, there's preferences for languages. Um, Not not to start any flame wars, but definitely I predict we're going to stick around with, like, a lot of JavaScript because it ties into, like, Vercel, it ties into front-end, it ties into building things quickly, you know, with just an API call which is all of the front end developers in the world or like full stack developers in the world are very familiar with uh, and on the back end it seems like the folks who release the models are still preferring python for strong you know ecosystem reason uh PyP reasons etc um and likely mojo is going to consolidate this even more when and if it releases and promise you know answers the promises yeah, that's, that's that.
0: Um, TMC also had one more point, and I want to go to Eugene, which uh, I, I do want to offer up to the panel, which is um, languages that are custom designed for AI. Is that, is that what you're talking about, TMC? Because um, that was your second question that we didn't get to.
9: Yeah, it was, it was, more, it was more around how do we make spaces like... Lang- Langchain is emerging as a, a place where ideas can flow between different language communities. Um, and that seems to have some promise, uh, TBD, to see how that shakes out. It was it was less about languages specifically built for AI, uh, but more about how do, how do we engender spaces that allow folks that are coming from different language ecosystems to share ideas.
0: Got it, got it. Um, yeah, if anyone has a comment on that, um, feel free to chime in. Um, I, I do want to give some space to Eugene, who is a very good friend. Uh, Eugene, I don't know if you know, but I referenced to you or
16: linked to you in the AI engineer blog post it's a bit hidden <laughs> hey six yeah i think i might have yeah, i think found it i think <laughs> i saw it some uh reference to ml and REXIS and everything applying ML. yes exactly uh yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you for that. Site
0: is uh, my reference for like what is like actual machine learning used at work and it's it's the it's a great reference for all the papers uh, that you should read
16: Oh, six is really just too kind thank you
0: um, well so like, what, what are your thoughts uh, Eugene I mean so as, as someone who's uh, I, I guess you know very highly, highly regarded expert in Rexis um, you know you you sell books at Amazon so um, you have some authority on the subject um, how are you thinking about this new class of AI engineers
16: um, I think firstly I'm really glad that the term engineers in there um because this does require quite a bit of engineering discipline, engineering rigor uh, and design patterns that engineers are very familiar with. Um opinions my own, but you know, speaking as someone who's been trying to put this into product, um a lot of the 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 engineers have very uh tried and tested methods. Okay, we're gonna run this for a million tokens per minute. How are we gonna log errors? How are we gonna be monitoring? How are we gonna be monitoring latency? okay, um, some PM wants to try some fancy thing um, and, you know, offload everything to uh, the large language models. Engineering comes in, hey, you know, let's try to do a cascade pattern, Uh, do whatever you can first. And, you know, in comes retrieval augmented generation. Um, Fantastic. And that is, like, a huge pivot and it's fantastic solve to the problems that we were seeing with hallucination, uh, which is retrieval augmentation, augmented generation helps to ground the large language model so uh definitely i think uh engineering is going to be driving this uh in my opinion uh, so yeah I fully agree with that um and your your team is kind of uh, actually i i feel like i shouldn't talk about um stuff that you,
0: you mentioned <laughs> okay um but uh strongly appreciate uh all that and um yeah, I think, I think there's there's definitely uh, a strong role for engineering. Um, and I think something that I have been trying to emphasize but not really seeing anyone pick up on is the role of code, right? Like that uh, AI systems can generate the code that they're missing in order to do the goals that you ask them to. And this will increasingly become part, of, part and parcel of what it means to be an agent. And I don't see anyone realizing that beyond like the people who are
14: building agents. Um, I don't know, just throwing it out there as a as a topic. Which which takes this whole engineering thing and moves this into, you know, are you a shepherd basically of agents, <laughs> and and are you you know herding agents, uh, like fleets of agents to do the stuff that you want, and how you do evals and how you make sure that everything is running okay um quite an interesting engineering challenge um to to figure out what your agents are doing you think you think by the way this is this is part of the same kind of the monitoring of agents behavior um versus kind of getting them up to speed and maybe offloading this to like an ml ops or an observability person you you think it's part of the same skill set
0: uh, interesting. I don't know. Is the average MLOs person equipped to monitor agents? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> my, my my gut feeling is that you know AI engineers kind of this kind of catch all bucket that you know basically every company will have like the AI guy or girl, and they, they just are
15: responsible for all things AI. you there is there is sort of the idea of like the sort of good old fashioned machine learning and then good old fashioned uh, AI, and this is a little bit. Uh, Different, And then, you know, as far as like, you know, the normal constraints of engineering about cost and, and rigor, um, I think people are still trying to absorb uh, what's possible. But, you know, obviously, like, you know, if you're going to start running this at scale, you now care about, you know, using the cheapest possible model that'll still get the right thing done. You want some determinism out of it. QAing this stuff is like uh, completely insane. Uh, you know, those are difficult really really difficult things you know what, what do you do with something that that you know 97% of the time does this amazing thing and then you know one out of 100 time does something like really weird you know we're just not used to thinking about things quite that way um, and uh,
9: sort of, yeah. folks may be familiar with the platform but um, the the arise folks have an open source product called phoenix open source project i should say that is really meant for observing model output in production contexts. They have this really beautiful interactive point cloud that lets you go investigate where you have the generation that uh, uses vector distances as like a primary thing to detect drift. Um, But it lets you go see if you have generations that are seemingly out of of the norm, out of of expectation. And you can actually start applying traditional a style methodology around detecting when uh, what your rate of odd model output is. So if folks haven't seen Arise Phoenix, I, I encourage you to take a look.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we can also ask uh, Daniel, who has agents running in production, if he if has any sort of modeling or monitoring insights. Uh, Eugene, I'm
4: sure you also have given this some thought. Um, yeah, so like, the, the ones that we have actually used in production have been sort of um, single run um, tasks. Like, we've done some, some interesting stuff with um, kind of rip and replace copyrighted uh, information to make something uh, translatable and have a, an openly licensed... Um, stu- like, I can go into more detail, but, like, it needed to run once successfully, Right. And so it was like a single use agent um, that accomplished something that would have taken forever um, that, you know, uh, at least the agent that we have now it can accomplish in uh, basically, I think a hundred hours with GPC four. And so um, it was sort of like a, a a single run and then the project was done. And then we're able to sort of evaluate it. And then we've got other, we've other, other kind of um, forms of evaluation where we have a, we have a ground truth and we're able to kind of do multiple runs and, um, sort of, um, find that w- once one out of a hundred situations where it went wrong and sort of trying to evaluate that and uh, reverse engineer it so that, you know, it, it's not going to do that again. So some of this is still very, very iterative. So we've got multiple things happening, um, at once, but that the, the single use agent, um, uh, is a lot easier to solve for than the one that has to stay up and running for, for you
16: know, lots of users. Yeah, I don't have... I'm uh, not as familiar as, uh, with agents as for how Six would define it, but uh, you can imagine that if you had to run um, certain processes at very, very large scale, like millions of um, requests, um, and, you know, you'd be, generating some text. I mean, that's what GPT does, generates text. It can be difficult to try to figure out, you know, where in there has gone wrong. How do you evaluate it? So SWIX has a great uh, podcast episode on evaluation uh, benchmarks. So how do you evaluate summaries? How do you evaluate QA? and um, How do you evaluate against not safe for work or racism? So a lot of these, well, thankfully, for the latter buckets, we do have a lot of free data out there and a lot of free classifiers out there that help us evaluate toxic comments or stuff that's not safe for work. So we can sort of reuse that or, you know, train a model that detects uh, what we want to detect in the model. But beyond that, the the, the, fact, the, the thing about how to measure text itself, measuring for the vibe, um, while there are quite a bit of uh, metrics out there like rouge and uh, bird-based rouge, um, I'm not, it, it still requires quite a bit of tweaking. So I think, I think the the most important design pattern here is uh, when we are using this uh, things at scale uh, and for production. It's probably evals and guardrails, um, and how to think about it. Um, so that's my two cents.
11: Yep,
0: yep. Always a uh, concern, and always uh, would appreciate. Anything that you share about that as you explore? Um, I think we have AI Studio, and then I want to recognize Ian Mora, and then we're going to close it out. It's been a couple hours, so I'll leave the, the last word with uh, Ben. Uh, but AI Studio, you're first.
7: Thank you. So. Uh... One of the questions I had for the panel, but we're closing, uh, was if you have had experience with the main providers' tooling that were just released. Uh, that was that is the Copilot Stack from Microsoft and uh, Google Vercell, um AI Studio, as they call it, too. Um, stack to build uh, LLM-based solutions. Um, and going back to the topic at hand right now, I believe some of these stacks, at least Microsoft, is putting a security layer to their services through Azure, uh, so you can have quote unquote safe uh, applications built upon best practices, where you can guide the model and and avoid some of the common mistakes and bad outputs that you wouldn't want on, on your application. Uh, that was something big that they spoke about during their, their build conference just a, a few weeks ago. Um, I, I haven't tried Google's yet. I hope to see something like that from Amazon as well, uh, but I just wanted to know if anybody else has any any experience building up on this new tooling. Um, and, and from an open source, Perspective. I see that there are two ways to to test these outputs. You do need a, a feedback loop onto any application that you're going to put out onto production, where you have a, a, a thumbs up or thumbs down bot- voting, and then you just have to do some monitoring to see how you will need to change your prompts to avoid some of the downvoted. Um, outputs so thank you very much uh and and have a good one (laughs) great great tips thanks ai studio
0: um ian you have been in the comments for a while uh wanted to recognize you we have a very active comment session and ian is keeping it alive hey ian
8: yeah yeah i I like the name uh, ai engineer Uh, for years i've been doing nlp stuff but i actually never did research but it was always applied stuff so you know, having a, having a name, if we can all stick to it, would be great. Um, my joke, my, my joke in there was, you know, I could, I'm good at finding archive articles and finding the GitHub repo and trying to ignore all the math. Because I don't That's really the know job, right? Like
1: assume the math <laughs> is right. <and>
8: then... <laughs> right. Right. Um, so a, a great article. Um, I really enjoy, you know, the, the blog articles you've been writing about, you know, the composability and the, sh- you know, the shell code thing and, and things like that. Uh, and I just wanted to react to the, like kind of the, the LangChain conversation earlier, you know, LangChain to me is an amazing project just because what they've done is they, they've really created like a reference impl- uh, Harrison and team have created this reference implementation for like everything that's out there. It's, like, if you want to know how to like write some Python that does these things, it's great to have. Uh, it, it does become a little bit, you know, unwieldy when you're trying to like, you know, maybe do something specific. Uh, so maybe it's not the right tool to actually go to production with, but, once again i think it's a great tool the, the thing that i'm actually the most challenged with right now is just the general idea of prompt engineering and the models change underneath you and uh and then the chaining of things it seems very you seems like we're trying to bring like imperative programming to the prompt space uh and i just found this thing yesterday called dsp which i, I put in the uh the chat or whatever you call it in twitter um and it's a declarative approach So I want it to be a thing. I've read the paper. I just went through the uh, collab notebook earlier and I posted links to to both the GitHub repo and the collab. Uh, seems very promising or at least, you know, maybe uh, a a good prototype that maybe leads to the right direction. That's all I had to say. Yeah, I appreciate your pointers. Uh, I do want to
0: recognize and acknowledge Alex Gravely, uh, creator of GitHub Copilot and probably the prototypical AI engineer. Hey, Alex.
17: So oh, hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> how are you? Uh,
0: yeah. So uh, any any comments on just like how software engineers can approach AI? Like uh, you obviously were one of the very very first to do this uh, and do this extremely successfully.
17: Oh, uh, thanks. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess like um, you know for for me it's it's. Uh, it's really about the skill the skill seems to be in um chasing chasing something, so it's sort of like uh you know it's persistence uh um not giving up um trying things over and over again, like sometimes putting i don't know there's like a whole skill set that is like very unique um you know it's all grounded in data it's there's a lot of like um you know you're, you're, you're instead of like grinding out code, you're kind of more organized around um, uh, learning uh l- learnings and what you can what you can answer what questions you can answer uh, and like trying to go forward and um, testing things constantly against baselines like I think those are the kind of like useful skills that are not super widely distributed yet um they they may never be, um, you, you know, it's a inherent trait of some people.
0: <laughs> uh, Eugene, you had a question for Alex?
16: No, I wanted to just uh, chime in with what Alex said. Okay. I think the main skill set here is solving problems, right? With whatever it takes. I mean, even you, I don't, may not have a PhD or whatever, but, you know, uh, you can join a paper club to try to understand how Transformers works underneath, or you can do your own experiments to learn how to do retrieval method generation or um, read up a bit about uh, how to evaluate outputs. So it's just really trying to solve the problem, measuring it, and doing it well, which is what an engineer does. Um, So yeah, uh, that's all I had to add in. Uh, Yeah, thanks. Uh,
1: It sounds like we're losing switch. Oh, did, did I mute myself? I muted
0: myself. I'm so sorry.
1: Um, anyway,
0: I, I want to say thanks. I, I uh, want uh, Eugene runs our paper club on the Discord, and uh, it's been it's been lots of fun. Um, we are trying to catch up on our paper reading, even though you know we don't have PhDs. And I think like that's that's something that you know I'm, I guess I'm inspired by Alex's story. Um, you know, you, you look through his LinkedIn. Um, you know, developer, engineer, hacker member technical staff, co-founder, CEO, no PhD, um, but just always very highly impactful projects. Um, and I think that's kind of like what I hope that more people emulate, I guess, in their own careers.
14: John, if I, if, if, oh. if I may oh, dude, Alex also started AI tinkers, and there's a bunch of us now uh, Yes,
0: yeah uh, we, we have fun news about that one.
17: <laughs> oh, yeah, please, uh, please there's going to be a new, we're going to do one on the 6th at, uh, in the mission in San Francisco. It should be really fun. Uh, and uh, we're switching we switched to uh, this tinkers.ai platform that uh, someone one of the tinkers in uh, seattle built and it's uh, got a bunch of really fun ai things inside of it so it'll do things like uh, try to make sure that the it'll so it'll like um it asks for some your social links and then it'll try and figure out like how uh how much you work in ai and then use that for uh, for inviting inviting people because we're space limited all the time, so um, so it'll try and make sure that so put put AI stuff if you're in your LinkedIn profile and then and then uh, and then go RSVP to uh, SF Tinkers um, I signed up last uh, right. week. Uh, I just wanted to follow up that, uh, with what Swick said. I thought I, I, that's very kind. Those very, very kind words. Thank you. Um, I, I do want to say that like. Yeah, if anything the the PhD um thing was a huge personal mistake. Like um I was super into uh I was super into pre-transformer the, the, the sort of iteration of of technology before transformers which was uh sequence-to-sequence models and I used them for um for trying to make a essentially give personal assistance um a, a hint as to what to say to to users uh, that were asking them for things over text, mes- over text messages. And, uh, you know, I got to a point where, I, like, it, it worked. It would suggest things. But I couldn't figure out how to, like, take it further, you know, give it access to the Internet or um, be able to answer, like, questions from a database. And I was just, like, I, just, I sort of, like, gave up. I was, like, I need, a, I need a PhD in math to make this better. Like, this is, this is you know, this is beyond me. And then and then you kind of like left, the, left that company and like went off and did other stuff. And then, you know, a few months later, the Transformers paper came out and I like knew it was a big deal at the time. But because my focus had shifted, like I didn't jump on it the way I should have, right? Because uh, I still had that mindset of like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Like there it, it still needs to be more progress in this world. And then um i guess i guess i was lucky in that that because of that mindset when the opportunity to to like work on transformers popped up i was like super excited to to, to jump on them and see what the kind of new generation had and um but yeah i wish i had just like stuck with it and not scared myself off because of lack of a phd or or whatever not thinking i was an expert um anyway just the just the story. <laughs> Uh, it's
0: highly encouraging to people, right? because most of us I think we have this mental block of like i you know i I'm not qualified what am I doing here um until you just try and build and get stuck and
17: try again um, yeah yeah, I think i mean there's there's some um, I think what Eugene said is is powerful. it's like you know um, they're they're definitely don't get me wrong, there's definitely like people with certain skills that are. Um, very, very unique and rare, and those people push sort of the boundaries of what we can, what we can do. Um, but m- most most of the software that we make is, you know, taking a taking a problem and breaking it down and um, trying trying to to uh, solve it well enough to to accomplish our goal and not giving up. So uh, I think I think that, that that none of that requires a PhD, right? It <laughs> just requires being tenacious.
0: Tenacious in every word. Um, great. Well, uh, Alex, uh, we're about to wrap up. Uh, so it's, we seem to have a last minute surge in like, people coming, but uh, we're, we're actually going to close out. Um, but, Alex, anything you want to plug? Um, anything you want to, you know, you, we've already plugged some Tinkerers, but I don't know if you want to say a few words about Minion.
17: Oh, yeah. Um, well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll give a Minion demo at the next Tinkerers, but. Um, yeah, we're working on web agents. Uh, it's it's incredibly hard and, and super awesome. And I'm pretty convinced that uh, it's um, doable. Uh, and it's just going to, it's on the other side of a lot of work. So super excited to be working on it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's basically a web agent where you can tell it to order pizza or uh, sign up for things or um, tweet or send emails or uh, kind of stuff so uh yeah and we're and we're just now getting into like okay well there's we've we've spent the last like month like uh really figuring out what GPT 4 can and can't do and uh there's a pretty big space of stuff that it can't do very well and so starting just this week to train our own models uh to to fill that gap and uh that'll be an ongoing process but super exciting and uh yeah uh anyway, if you want to see it, come uh, come come to the Tinkerers event on the sixth. There'll be a lot of really smart people there and uh people just trying to learn and and uh and, and get into AI. So um if you're in San Francisco, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Thanks so much. Um all right, well uh
0: that was a fantastic discussion. Thanks so much to everyone who participated. Um we have a
1: few words from Ben who was uh help could help us close out the show. Thanks, Wix. Um and just you know, following up to what Alex said. Um, I know agents are so hot right now, but I'm curious when someone's going to build Neo. I'm really looking forward to that. Maybe some Trinity as well. Um, so I wanted to start by just thanking you for your leadership here. Um, this blog post is just fantastic. It's really it's really helping a lot of people. And I think it's really putting a name to something that we are all excited about and uh, it's, it's helping drive the industry forward. So, so thank you so much for that. Uh, I just wanted to close with a few notes of the conference we just announced, if you missed that. Uh, We announced this conference uh, as part of a blog post and a couple of tweets. And In just under seven hours, we have nearly 600 who have pre-registered, and we're we're approaching (laughs) about 200... we, we, we've got 220 who submitted the full application, and uh, this is a very high signal event. Um, you know, there's a lot of interest in this, so we want to curate and build a community from the ground up. Um, and the first event, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna vet every individual who's, who's gonna come. So we want this to be very high signal, 500 people. Um, and so if you really wanna come, we do encourage you to submit your application. Um, and fill out as much of the information as possible. I know it's a little bit cumbersome, but we didn't make it too long. Um, just basically show us what you're building. Show us that you want to come uh, by taking the initiative there and, uh, and and we can send you the invite with the registration information. Um, that's all I wanted to close with. But, uh, but Swix, thanks again for, Thank for for taking the lead on all of uh, this. I couldn't do this without you, man. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have a great event. Uh, we're going to try to serve the community as best
0: as we can. And... Uh, Helped to birth a new industry. So, with that, thanks to everyone and see you online. Bye bye.
14: Thanks.